0: You know, I always say, own your body, own your life. And I say that, Doug, because I do believe that when you are someone who is dedicated to moving your body consistently every single day the lessons that you learn within those workouts are just incredibly valuable, right? When you want to drop those weights and you do the extra reps, when you don't feel like getting up and moving your body, but you say, I know I need to do this because it's gonna lead me to where I want to be, and you get up and you do the workout. Those little bits, those moments, are what prepare you for all the other things in life, right, you're like, if I could do that, I can do this.
1: I'm Doug Bopes, personal trainer, best-selling author, and entrepreneur, And today's guest is Andrea Rogers. Andrea is a Beachbody super trainer and the creator of Extend Bar, the largest global bar franchise business. In today's episode, we discuss how to master the pivot during life's transitions, why Andrea doesn't struggle with mom guilt, how she empowers her kids to make healthy choices, what to do if you don't see quick results while chasing a goal, how she is learning to practice more patience, what the process was like for starting and growing Extend Bar, and so much more. So let's get this conversation going. And welcome Andrea Rogers to the Adversity Advantage podcast. Andrea, welcome to the podcast.
0: Hello, Doug, I'm so happy to be here.
1: I'm excited to have you on here. And what's really inspiring about your journey, both personally and professionally, as you have learned how to like master the pivot, it seems like you've learned to use adversity to your advantage. And I'm sure obviously, like anybody, you've had your fair share of struggles throughout the process, but it looks like you've been able to remain optimistic and focused on what you've needed to focus on throughout the process. So I guess my first question is, like if somebody's listening to this and they're going through like some sort of life transition, whether it's a personal one or a professional one, what are like three things that you would tell them to help them like master the pivot?
0: Uh, Master the pivot, it's so very true. I think, I call it a push turn by the way. I call it a push turn because in dance, I use a lot of dance references as life references now. And in dance, we call it a push turn. It's when you put your foot forward and you pivot and you turn to the other direction and you keep moving. So the number one thing I would say is movement. You really need momentum creates momentum, right? So the second you stop and you start to sit in the haze of, you know, the heaviness of where you're at, you'll be more likely to stay there. So allow yourself a moment, allow yourself a day, allow yourself a week, and then get up and get moving. Keep the momentum going, even the baby steps. I know that's cliche, but one little step at a time is going to help you to come out of that haze and into a lighter, you know, brighter, bluer sky. So that'd be number one. Number two, I would say be prepared with the response to the stall. So what that means is we know there's going to be times in our life, things are going to stall. Like you've got the momentum, things are moving great. And all of a sudden things just like stop. And that's where the pivot and push turn happens. But if you are more prepared for that to happen, meaning, and I know you can't prepare for everything, but let's say it's in your career and you know things are going really, really, really great, but all of a sudden, you know, there's a challenge ahead of you. There's a mountain that you have to climb. Be prepared, meaning making sure your mindset is where it's at, making sure your physical body is where it's at, making sure nutrition is where it's at, setting the stage to be the best you so that when you encounter these pullbacks and these setbacks and these mountains you are able to go after it and go back to number one which is keeping the momentum and then number three I would say you really have to do the work on the mindset you know we work our bodies physically and you know that's what we do Doug right we encourage people to be physically strong and active and healthy from the inside out and I also believe that you have to work those you know mental and emotional muscles as well and that goes back to number two, being prepared for what comes to you and making sure that you're working on yourself continuously. Figure out what that is for you. I have a lot of things that I do to keep myself in a positive mindset, and I always go back to those. I have those in my back pocket. I have that toolkit ready to go so that when I come against you know, those challenges, I don't stand there bewildered, you know, twiddling my thumbs. I get moving and I get out of it.
1: Yeah. Those are three great tips. And I think if anybody who's listening to this, if you're going through a life transition and you're like figuring out, you're wondering like, where do I start? Like, how do I, you know, rebuild some momentum? How do I stay optimistic? I think those three tips that you just shared are going to help you out tremendously. I want to dive into your story because you've made multiple pivots in your life. And I think one of the most important ones you made was taking a leap of faith, trusting your gut and starting Extend Bar. So walk the audience through like what was going through your mind. I believe you were teaching Pilates at a place down in Florida. You had gotten like word of a bar starting in New York. You were kind of missing dance. Like how did this all come to fruition? And then the second part of the question is how did you maintain like faith and belief in yourself throughout this process that I'm sure had a lot of uncertainty for you?
0: Oh, I'm certainly I think is the key word. So I grew up dancing my entire life, Doug, and was in that creative arts industry for years. And if you are in that industry, you know how it feeds your soul and it feeds your passion. And it's almost like oxygen, right? You need it to survive. And I then went to college, got my degree. I got a degree in communications with a dance minor. And after graduating, you know, the thought process as it is now is like, okay, you know, you get a real job, a quote unquote real job, right? Not a dance job, not a, you know, but I couldn't figure out what was going to feed my soul and feed my passions while also making a living from it. You know, dance has a very short lifespan in terms of dancing professionally. I had moved to South Florida. I knew I wasn't going to get back into that scene. So I had to figure out what I was going to do. and you know, it was risky to say, okay, I'm going to go into the fitness industry, which as we know, isn't well known for, you know, providing the most successful run in terms of financials, right? It's not like you go into fitness for the money. And so I just knew that I had to follow my passion. And if I followed my passion, I would be successful. I feel like talent always rises. And, you know, if you work your tail off, you will get somewhere. And so I decided to just go for it. I loved Pilates. I had taken Pilates while I was a professional dancer to keep my body healthy and mobile and functional. And I thought, okay, well, I enjoyed studying kinesiology in college. I love movement. This makes sense. Let's go for this. So I dove headfirst into the Pilates industry, became a classical comprehensive Pilates instructor, it took a while. It wasn't an easy you know, process, but I started teaching and fell in love with the programming and then decided, well, I need to sprinkle in some of that extra zest that I get from choreography and I miss choreographing. So I started to sprinkle in some of my dance moves with my private Pilates sessions and the clients were responding, right? They were really loving it. They came back every single class and said, do more of that dance stuff. So I decided to, hey, Let's launch a class. Let's try it, right? Other people are doing it in New York. Why can't I do it here in South Florida? Why can't I do it my way, right? A little bit different. How can I add a little bit more of the Pilates foundations into this quote unquote bar workout? And so I launched a program in South Florida with no intention other than creating a workout that selfishly (laughs) was what I wanted to do. And I knew if I wanted to do it and my body responded to it, more women would feel the same. And that's really where it all started was the small studio in South Florida where we launched the program. It was originally called A La Bar at the bar and we launched it. We had waitlisted classes very quickly and it all snowballed from there. I didn't have the intention of creating, you know, an international brand or a franchise or any of those things. I just wanted to create the best workout program that I could. And that's what worked.
1: Yeah. And the rest is history. And congrats to you on all the success with that. I think I was reading you have like, what, like 70 locations or something right now? And
0: yeah, we have multiple different paths of how we expand the brand. So we have licensing model, and then we have franchising model. So between licensed studios and franchise studios, yeah, we have a pretty nice reach now globally, which has been exciting to see. It's really cool when you go you know, over to Asia and you have people teaching your ExtendVar classes and in another language, and you see that this translates no matter where you are in the world, because movement is so powerful.
1: Yeah, movement is powerful. And I think like your combination of kindness, tenacity, and just optimism, I think really served you well in being able to build this company to be so successful. I want to dive in to some mindset stuff with this because we're both in the fitness industry. And, and one of the common struggles of the people that we work with or that we coach is when they're not seeing results fast enough. They're not losing the weight. They're not building the strength. They're not X, Y, and Z. And in business, I feel like that can be the same thing. You're not seeing the revenue. You're not seeing the clients coming in how did you keep yourself optimistic and like, but also focused on reality, like not just having this sense of toxic positivity, like in the early stages when maybe like the money wasn't where you thought it would be or people weren't coming in as fast as you thought they would? Like, how did you remain focused?
0: Well, first of all, I loved your analogy and the translation between the, you know, workout mindset and the lifestyle, right? And business mindset. I think, you know, I always say, own your body, own your life. And I say that, Doug, because I do believe that when you are someone who is dedicated to moving your body consistently every single day, the lessons that you learn within those workouts are just incredibly valuable, right? When you want to drop those weights and you do the extra reps, when you don't feel like getting up and moving your body, but you say, I know I need to do this because it's going to lead me to where I want to be. And you get up and you do the workout. Those little bits, those moments are what prepare you for all the other things in life, right? You're like, if I could do that, I can do this. And I have used that throughout business and and through those pivots, right? I think it's important to sometimes zoom out. We get caught up in the game of comparison and especially in the social media world, right? We're constantly looking at, okay, she launched this business at the same time I launched my business and look at how further along she is than I and, and look at this individual and you cannot compare. So I'd say number one, You got to get out of that comparison game and you have to zoom out. And when I say zoom out, I mean, look at the path that you want to take and step back and understand that this is going to be a long game approach. Anything that you want to do in a sustainable way, you have to be able to zoom out and understand it's not going to happen quick, easy and fast. And maybe it does happen quick, easy, and fast, but guess what? <laughs> it's gonna give you challenges like right around the quick ease and fast is gonna be like slow, dragging, and hard. And then you'll go back to that little faster momentum. And that's what happened for me. When I launched ExtendBar, it took off very quickly. And the program grew because it was a really strong program, but I was very green in the licensing and specifically in the franchise world. I didn't know a lot when I got started. I got started quickly and I was running before I learned how to crawl. Right. And with that, I had a lot of learnings. I had a lot of mistakes made. I had a lot of growth and development that came through that process. And so I kept reminding myself that it wasn't about how fast I was growing and how big I was going to be and how many studios I was going to have. It really came down to quality of programming. I knew that if I continued to focus on the quality of our programming, that would set us above the rest. That would continue to help us to soar because we knew that we had the best program out there. Now, there were a lot of learnings, as I said, in between and I had to step back and I had to make major changes in the business. I had to pull back from domestic franchising, focus on international franchising and really take time to understand where my strengths and weaknesses were as a business and then lean into partnerships that could help supplement where my weaknesses were to continue to order and grow the business where it needed to go.
1: Thanks for sharing all that and being like open and honest about like a lot of the struggles that came from not just building the business, but having like such quick success, like from the beginning of when you started this. I would imagine that one of the other struggles you faced was being a parent, right? Because, you know, you, in the midst of building this business, you've had two daughters. And I know that a lot of times parents can struggle with guilt from being away from their kids. So, how did you navigate? those two paths like how are you able to you know balance your schedule in a way that you were able to focus on both being a parent and a business owner
0: well the beautiful thing about you know being an entrepreneur and, and owning your own business is you do create your schedule right on the flip side you never are not working <laughs> <laughs> right. so you know you have that flexibility to be able to go and do the things you need to do with your kids. But then you also know that, you know, sometimes you put them to bed at night and you're jumping on a phone call with Australia until 1030 at night, you know? So, you know, there is that flexibility. But I will tell you, Doug, I haven't struggled tremendously with mom guilt. And I haven't because I know that what I'm doing is creating, you know, a life for my family. I know that what I'm doing is not selfish. It is part of who I am and what I need to be to be the happiest Person I can be and to be the best mother I can be I am someone who really loves to be purposeful in my life I need purpose outside of the roles that I wear as a mother and as a you know daughter and as a sibling and as a friend I need to have my you know Like that purpose that really wakes me up in the morning and makes me feel really proud of what I'm doing and that to me That's my happy. That's my joy. And of course being a mother is another joy that I have. So I don't feel guilty when I am traveling or doing these things because my kids are so proud of me. My girls know what I'm doing. They think I'm cool. You know, they like me. (laughs) They're like, this is so cool. They think what I'm doing is really great. And they see the impact that I make. They, you know, are with me when someone stops me, you know, in a cafe and shares with me that your workout program changed my life. My kids see that. So to me, you know, I just don't carry a tremendous amount of mom guilt. Now, yes, do I miss certain things at school and feel that moment, that ping of like, oh man, that that's not great. Yes, but I know that I zoom out, again, zoom out, and overall I'm a really, really great mom. <laughs> I make mistakes, I'm not perfect, but I'm doing a good job. And so I zoom out and focus on the whole and look at everything as a whole, not little bits that fall into that guilt trap.
1: Yeah, I feel like in situations like that, zooming out is so important and also like paying attention to intention. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. If you're just going out like to the bars every night, you know, or just going out on dates, like every single night of the week and all day, every day and doing all these things that are like benefiting you more so personally, then I would imagine there's more guilt there because you know that what you're doing isn't necessarily helping your kids.
0: It's so true. You're so spot on. Yeah. yeah, I always say that. I'm like, I'm not like, you know, sometimes I'll get people that creep into my DMs and they're like, oh, well, you're just out doing your thing and your kids are at home. Not often, but I just had it recently when I was at a super weekend event, you know, and it's so funny because the DM right before her was a woman who was suicidal and she shared with me that the program changed, saved her life like literally saved her life by starting this workout. And then the next DM is another woman judging me for being gone, you know? And I'm, I'm laughing because it's just it's just what it is, you know? People are going to judge you, but I sat back and I said, you know, it's not like I'm going out partying with my girlfriends and like which, you know, I haven't done in a while. Like, I could use that. <laughs> but, you know, I know what I'm doing is again, the intention, the purpose, I'm making a difference in people's lives in a positive way, which is self-serving in a way because I love what I do and I get a high from what I do. But it's also as you said, the intention is to create a positive impact for everyone, including my two girls.
1: Thanks for you know sharing what the impact that your program has had on people. I mean, I think it's always so amazing to hear when something like that happens because you feel like you're on the right path. And yeah, I think sometimes people will will judge you and they don't even understand like the whole context of your life. They don't understand the intention behind what you're doing. And and with that said, along the the lines of you and your kids, I know one of the things that you want to see more of is like more emphasis on people paying attention to the health and fitness of our kids, the, the younger population. And with that, it can be challenging because then they're, you know, depending on how it's handled, and, and the kids that create, you know, disordered eating patterns, they can become perfectionists and that sort of thing. How are you navigating all of that with your two girls? Like, what are the, some of the things that you're doing on a daily basis to help empower them to want to be healthier? We will get you back to this episode of the Adversity Advantage in just one second. But first, wanted to give a quick shout out to Organifi. As you know, Organify is a line of organic superfood blends that offers plant based nutrition made with high quality ingredients. Each Organify blend is science backed to craft the most effective doses with ingredients that are organic and free of fillers that contain less than 3 grams of sugar per serving. Recently, I have been loving the refreshing taste of the new Organify green juice, Crisp Apple. That's right, Crisp Apple. It comes with all the benefits you've come to love in the classic green juice with a new juicy twist. Enjoy the same fan favorite nourishing ingredients such as ashwagandha, moringa, spirulina, and chlorella designed to hydrate, energize, and support cortisol balance. The new green juice crisp apple is made with organic, wholesome, hand-picked apples. It tastes like a fresh, juicy slice in every sip, making it the first of its kind the whole family will absolutely love. It's only available for a limited time, so make sure to stock up now and take advantage of this nourishing green juice that tastes absolutely divine. So go to www.organifi.com backslash Doug and use code Doug for 20% off your order. That's dot com backslash Doug and use code Doug for 20% off any item. Now back to the show.
0: You nailed it because it is a fine line, right? If you go too far in terms of that focus, it can turn into negative, you know, habits, obsessive habits, and I don't want to create that. So I'm very clear on empowering your body, them understanding what they're eating and how it fuels their body. So for me, I do little things. I'm not lecturing every day because trust me, I can't do that every day. So they know my bit. They know that I eat pretty healthy. They laugh because we just went to my parents' house in Michigan. They're like, oh, mom, this isn't clean. This isn't organic. (laughs) And I eat it all (laughs) because I show them that life's about balance. Like you don't have to be perfect all the time. I'm not afraid to have the cookie or have the popcorn or have the food that is on the quote unquote bad list. I do it. I eat it. I just find more balance. Again, zoom out. 80-20 kind of approach and focus on that. So same thing with my kids. Nothing is off limits, but I don't fill my pantry and refrigerator with the junk. I just don't. It's not accessible at home. So when we're out and about or we're doing other things and they eat something that is less healthy, it's fine, right? Because the majority of the time they're eating really good food. My biggest thing is, The tricks that I do when they're hungry, first of all, they come back from school, I get them a healthy snack, I'll bring it in the car or have it ready for them when they get home, and then no more snacking until dinner, so I want them hungry, and what I always do is I put out the veggies first, so as I'm cooking whatever it is I'm cooking for dinner, I throw out the carrots or the cucumbers or the steamed broccoli, and let them load up. I'm like, they're like, I'm hungry. I'm hungry. I'm like, okay, here you go. (laughs) And if they don't eat that, I'm like, you're not that hungry. (laughs) So, you know, I throw out the veggies and then I make sure that they move. You know, I noticed recently, I'm like, God, my kids aren't as out as outside as much as I want them to be. So just this week, I'm like every single day when your homework is done, you go out to play. Like when I was a kid growing up, we stayed outside until it was dark and then came home, right? Like that's what we did. And, I want my kids to have that. That's part of the reason I moved to Dallas. So I just bought them some fun outdoor things. And just every day this whole week, I'm like, get outside, get outside. I don't want to see you until the sun starts to go down, you know, and they're just outside playing. And I think that's what we miss. You know, we are overscheduling activities constantly. We're, you know, trying to focus on like creating these kids that are the best in every category. And I think at, at the end of the day, it's just about, you know, balance, you know, making sure that they're eating pretty clean, decent meals, not always, not always perfect. And then Helping them to understand that when they eat well, they feel well.
1: And then like zooming out on this situation, because I want to double down on this because you come across as somebody who's incredibly creative, caring, and you know, optimistic with the way you handle things with your kids and also your own life. That like, what do you think would be as a society, like what can we do to help our kids overall like become more movement focused because I feel like now kids' attention spans are, are shrinking. They're glued to screens. And then honestly, not to really any fault of their own. It's just the way our society has kind of evolved, I guess, if you will. What are a few like ideas that you might have that if a parent's listening to this and they're like, well, I can't convince my 11-year-old to go to the gym. like, What kind of things do you think could be helpful for them?
0: First of all, I think it's a problem that comes down within our schools, right? Like, we you know, we're taking away PE. We used to have PE every single day. Now it's like we're lucky if they get it once a week. They should be moving their bodies every single day at school. Like there should be recess outside every single day and there should be PE every single day. Now I know we can't always control that, but, you know, advocating for that within your school district is, you know, a first step. Secondly, it's what we do at home. So institute family walks. Or bike rides or scooters. It's like every night you go for a walk. I grew up going for walks with my parents. Like we walked in Michigan when it was, you know, 20 degrees or whatever it was. We were outside, hats and scarves on, and we went for walks. That was also after we had our family dinner, right? So if you want change to happen, you have to be that change for your family. So make it non-negotiable, just as you make your movement non-negotiable. It's like, this is what we are doing now. And you start a new routine and you say, hey guys, we need to be a little bit more movement focused and movement centric in this house. We're going to do every Monday through Friday or every single day of the week, we're going to get outside for at least 20 to 30 minutes a day and we're going to move our bodies. So you guys, we get to choose. We get to do a walk. We can go outside and play tag. Tag. You know, I just bought my kids these little Nerf guns, they love them, and little remote control cars to get outside just to get them out there. You know, chalk, all these little things that you can do just to get them outside and playing. But sometimes it takes breaking the habits, right? It's easier sometimes to have them sit in front of the TV or grab their iPad because you have a million things to do, but you have to be the one that kind of pulls them out of that and you have to help them to get that started. And then from there, like yesterday, they're like, can you come play? I'm like, I got a million things to do. Go play. You got it. You guys got it. And they stayed out for like an hour, you know, outside just playing but it does take consistent focus and energy just as anything does when you're trying to break a habit and create a new one. It doesn't take a tremendous amount though, Doug. It's it's a matter of like, no, we're not watching TV. Turn it off. We're going outside. We're going for a family walk.
1: Right. And just being, again, being intentional, like being consistent and just making sure that also, I think you're kind of meeting these kids where they're at. Like, I think, like you said, like incorporating it into something that is already being done. Like if you're eating dinner together and then you're already like in the same house, like just going outside for a walk that's right there versus being like, Hey, I think you should go to this gym or I think you should go do this. And the kid's like, eh, you know, I don't want to go in there with a bunch of random people, which to some extent obviously is is understandable. I want to kind of dive into a bit of your personal story a little bit in that I know something that that your mom has said to you that really like has meant a lot to you is not letting something like sink into your soul when it happens. And I know you've gone through a divorce and I know that that can be incredibly like traumatic and hard for people who go through it. How did you not let like an event like that like transform your identity?
0: It's very true. It can transform your identity. It did transform my identity in a positive way. So I'm not going to paint it like it was all rainbows and, you know, cupcakes and sprinkles because there were some very hard times that I had to navigate through. However, I kept leaning into this feeling that I had, Doug, which was, Oh no, girl, you're meant for more. (laughs) Like you are meant for more and you are going to, you know, be this, become that person that you know, you are meant to be. And I had that little voice in me. And so, you know, I remember having days where I felt like my knees were going to buckle. Like, I just remember walking through the Publix grocery store in South Florida and thinking, God, if everybody knew in here how I felt inside, because I just, you know, put on a good front and, but I really felt like I was going to collapse. I allowed myself those moments, but through those moments, I leaned into two different things. One was movement. I said, okay, Andrea, this is, you do this for a living and you know how powerful it can be. So this is going to be part of my therapy, my self-therapy, right? Making sure I move my body every day with intention giving it my full-out effort, and really helping to get those endorphins going, which I leaned on tremendously and really did help me to shift mood and mindset. And then number two, I leaned into the power of affirmations. So I downloaded this app called Think Up, T-H-I-N-K-U-P, Think Up, and I recorded my voice, and I recorded my affirmations and things that I was grateful for as if they already happened. And I listened to those quite often. In the heat of it, I was listening to them multiple times a day. Now I find myself maybe once or twice a month leaning into that. But it's something that I continuously do. And you know, nearly five years later, I still use as a tool. And it's, I now teach my kids to have a mind up mentality, which is, you know, leaning into the fact that you know, you can, you know, you will, and you know, you're going to do it. It's not going to be easy, but you know, don't complain. Don't sink into the wallow of it. Don't crawl into the ball. Don't let it sink into your soul. Instead get up, get moving and start to think up. And that's where you're going to start to see those small changes happening. And over time, again, zooming out, you're going to see that you are progressing. And so that that's kind of what I did. I just leaned into the movement and I leaned into the power of mindset.
1: I love that because what you can't really control some of the stuff when it happens. You can't control the feelings and emotions that naturally will come about when you're going through something like a divorce, What you can control is how you choose to respond to that. And also like part of it, I think, is just accepting, like you said, that, you know, you're not going to feel okay all the time. There's going to be certain times throughout that process, that's going to be harder than others. And obviously, you're a busy person being a single mom, running a business, owning a business and everything else you were doing with like your personal brand, like during that time. And that can be very positive for people, because it kind of takes away from having to think about some of the pain of something like a divorce. Was there ever a point in that process where you felt that that like, Had like a negative impact where you're like, oh my gosh, like I can't believe that stuff's coming up that you've looked back and like, man, I really need to take some time to heal from this.
0: No, but I think that's the way I'm wired, Doug. I'm wired to be busy and I like to be busy and I like to be overwhelmingly busy. (laughs) You know, if I'm not, you know, running in every direction, I feel like a little less than, and I know that's crazy, but I don't get overwhelmed very easily. And so I'm someone who likes to just keep that momentum going. So for me, that was my power. You know, that was really my source of power was leaning into the business Leaning into everything I knew that was going to carry me through to the other side and create that new identity, a, a new person, a stronger woman, a more capable person, um, someone that was going after things that I don't know why I wasn't before, you know? And it's funny when you come out of a, a relationship like that, you just start to, you're almost shocked by. The new energy that you have, the new zest that you have. And, and it's not always the case and it doesn't always happen right away. But eventually you get to the point where you're like, OK, I, you, you kind of lean into who you are. And that to me was very powerful. So I just kept I kept leaning into the busyness and tried to create more energy in that business sector so that I could you know continue to soar.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Because I think what happens is you start to develop into this new version of yourself. And you create this new identity in a positive way. Yeah, don't let that event become your identity and define you. And because you're continuing to evolve, like a lot of it, you just start to accept as part of the process. And you're like, wow, like, I'm so thankful that I went through these events, because it's made me into the person that I am today. I want to talk about pressure, because you grew up a dancer, your face and your body, if you will, is on camera. And for people to see whether it's, you know, through social media, through Beachbody and, and everything else, like, do you ever feel pressure to like, look a certain way because of the fact that your job, your body is like, you know, kind of all over the place?
0: I've never been asked that before. That's interesting question. And surprisingly, no, I haven't felt that pressure. I do think it goes back to growing up as a dancer, however, so, you know, my body was my instrument and it wasn't about, for me, I'm lucky. I didn't grow up in a, in a dance studio that really, you know, pushed, you know, that ballerina, you know, body, I just got to dance and have fun with it. And because I was so athletic and I was dancing five days a week, you know, and, and moving my body for hours a day in that way, I stayed healthy and maintained, you know, a healthy body. And so I never felt pressure. And I, I even coming into the circle that we're in right now in the, in the beach body world, I don't, I think, you know, the only thing I would ever, I'm very petite, right? I'm a, I'm a little, I'm a little thing. <laughs> my mom is tiny. My grandmother's tiny. You know, my mom doesn't even weigh a hundred pounds soaking wet and we're just little. And so sometimes I think people think I'm so tiny, you know, like, well, how does she keep her body so little? I'm like, I, this is me. This is who I am, you know? And so I think it's almost the opposite right? Like I feel sometimes the judgment of how petite I am rather than, you know, trying to stay petite, if that makes sense. But again, it doesn't, it doesn't sink into my soul. I just focus on staying healthy and doing me and taking care of myself. I'm a girly girl. I love makeup. I love skincare. I love all those kind of things. So this is right up my, right up my niche um, in terms of, I don't mind being on the camera and, and doing all that and getting glammed up. It's fun for me and I enjoy it. I don't feel the pressure from it. No, which is a good thing.
1: That's a really good thing. That was actually a question that came through when I kind of asked the audience, like what they wanted me to ask you, and because I think a lot of people they struggle with, they feel they have to look a certain way because of society or because what they might see online or because what their family might say. But I love like your perspective on that, and that you kind of embrace it, right? That you know that this is just part of who you are, and that you also didn't grow up in a like you didn't go to a studio where there was much emphasis on how you looked. It was just like you were there to perform.
0: That was it. It was really about the joy of dance. And we had, you know, in our group, I had girls of all sizes next to me. And I was always, like I said, I was always the little one. And, you know, my older daughter now is petite in her age range. You know, she's the shortest in school too. And, you know, watching her navigate the same things I navigated as a child. And, and I told her, you know, it's just, it's just who we are. This is just who we are. And it's what makes us special. Just like everybody has something that makes them special. So yeah, I think it's just owning who you are and and being confident as much as you can in that.
1: Yeah, owning who you are and I think I mean a part of owning who you are is being able to like trust your gut and trust your intuition which I think There's people that have a hard time with that because they might like hear their gut say something and they're like, eh, maybe it's not true. I'm just going to go this way. Or they don't know if like, it's actually their intuition and it's not their brain. This is something that I know it's been a cornerstone of your success has been your ability to trust your gut and trust your intuition. Like, what does that look like for you? Like, how can somebody, if they're listening to this, like, how can they learn to trust their gut more?
0: Oh my goodness. My gut, my gut is my compass. It truly is. And, you know, I grew up with really, really great parents who embedded in me a moral compass. (laughs) And uh, my mom laughed. She's like, oh, yes, I trained you to feel guilt if you did something wrong. (laughs) I'm like, you trained me. (laughs) She's like, yes, I wanted you to know, you know, I wanted you to have that moral compass throughout your whole life. And they did a great job in in creating that. I'm trying to do the same with my girls. And it has, it has been something where I get this, like, this gut feeling. And I can't, it's, it's really hard to explain, Doug, but it just... First of all, it's like my, that compass is so strong. I know the right and wrong. And I have, you know, a high moral compass in that respect. So I will avoid anything that gets me into that, that feeling guilty zone. I really try to focus on doing the right thing always. It's how I put my head on the pillow at night and feel good, you know, and if, if I know that I put my head on the pillow at night and I feel good with who I am, with what I'm doing, with the impact I've made, any haters come out or anybody comes against you, it's very easy to just to go, okay, no, no, that that's not the case. I know who I am. I know what I'm doing. I'm proud of who I am. I'm proud of the work I do. I'm proud of what the actions that I'm taking. Then it's easier to kind of just get out of that negativity and stay in that positivity. So For me, it's really about understanding what makes you feel good as a human being. What are you doing that makes you feel good? And when you take action that doesn't make you feel good, when you sit back and go, oh, that was kind of oh, that I shouldn't have done that, or that didn't feel good. Don't like go past it quickly, right? Sit with that for a moment. Understand why you know you did what you did, understand how it made you feel and then. Think about that the next time something comes into place and you're like, oh, that felt, I didn't like the way that felt. I want to feel more of the good. And take those actions that help you to feel more of the good. Lean into your gut. Now that's like, that's on one side. And then as you said, Doug, there's another gut side that's like, helps you to make decisions in terms of like, should I go for it? Should I not go for it? What should I do? What should I not do? Right. And that's a little bit harder to feel that gut and to hear that gut. And sometimes you have to just jump in, right? You got to take the risk. You got to go for it. And sometimes your head is going to be telling you, no, 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 no. And your gut's like, yeah, girl, you got this, you got this, go for it. So you'll start to learn how to navigate that the more you do it. And Hey, you take the risk. And if it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. Right. For me, it's always about going after it
1: yeah just going after it and being able to adjust along the way and just notice and just understanding that you know every time you maybe fail or, or things don't go your way it's just a kind of the universe telling you it's time for some form of redirection and and that that's the way that your life is meant to go in that moment and i know one of the things that you've been working on i guess over the last year or so is like is patience and i think that can be hard for a lot of people especially in our space and Talk a bit about that. Like, what are some of the things that you felt like you've struggled with when it comes to patients? And what are some of the things that you've been doing to help you improve that?
0: That's my, one of my weakest traits, I would say. As we talked about earlier, I move very quickly. I move fast. I expect people to keep the same tempo as me, (laughs) right? I expect them to have the same type of positivity and, you know, outlook on life and drive and tenacity and like, just go, 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 go. And not everybody's wired that way, right? Including my kids. So I have to sometimes, (laughs) often, not sometimes, often, I have to stop myself and say, okay, Android, this is you and this is Them, right? And and you cannot expect everybody to operate at the same frequency that you do. And so, a few things that I do is number one, little reminders, right? Just that taking a deep breath to reset. So, I'm big on breath, I'm big on breathing, just like I'm big on stretching. So I have those moments where I'm going to lose my cool, whether it's with the, it's just with the kids. I don't lose my cool. I'm like a stranger, but you know, like, you know, it's, it's busy and I have a household and I have, you know, two girls and it's just me pretty much 24 seven. And it's a lot, right? It's beautiful. And it's incredible. And we have this incredible little trio and crew together, but there are moments that it's like, it's daunting and it's exhausting. and I'm the, I'm the main parent, right. Doing it all myself. So I have to have those moments where I'm like, pause. And so breath has been important for me. It's just stepping back, zooming out and looking at how amazing my kids are and how great these girls are and how compassionate and kind and courageous and just good humans they are so that I don't let that one little thing (laughs) that they're doing drive me up the wall, right? I'm able to just be like, calm down, Andrea. They're great kids. They're amazing. Take a breath. And then address it, you know? And I've done it, I'm starting to shift into that mindset even more lately and having more conversations with the kids about it. I think being open with the dialogue. I also think, Doug, for me, you know, when I am not my best, you know, when I'm like, pick that up, why don't I, you know, and I I bark, I don't like that. I don't like being that kind of mom. And it happens, right? I will stop and I will turn around and I'll say, you know what, guys, I'm sorry, I overreacted. You know, I had a long day and that did not warrant that reaction from me. So sorry about that. And they're so there was like, that's OK, mom, no big deal. You know, but I'm not afraid to apologize. I want them to understand that we are not perfect. And I want them to know that it's OK for them to apologize and make mistakes. So finding that patience to breathe through it and then giving an allowance to say, I'm sorry when you don't.
1: Some great advice, you know, just practicing the pause and, you know, taking a breath and being aware of when you do certain things that maybe aren't aligned with your highest self as far as a parent and and not being afraid to apologize when something was done that you knew you probably shouldn't have done. And so as we bring this conversation to a close, Andrea, I mean, we we could talk about so much more when it comes to business stuff, but I really wanted to dive into like the mindset, your personal journey, healing, parenting, because I think that the audience is really going to appreciate this. Like, what are you working on next? Like, I know your program is now with Beachbody. How did that all come about? And then, like, so what's next for you?
0: Right. Well, Beachbody was a long <laughs> one of those long patience moves, right? Talk about patience. That was something that I started the conversation, you know, over 10 years ago, 11 years ago, talking with Beachbody and you know, every time I thought we were going to get it, it didn't happen, right? We did multiple test groups and trying different things and it just never happened. It never clicked. And eventually here we are and it did happen. And I, that was something that I really did exhibit a tremendous amount of patience because I knew again, zoomed out, looked at the long game, looked at where I wanted to be understanding that I needed to have that patience and understanding that it would happen. I just believed it was going to happen, but it would happen when it needed to happen, when it was right to happen. And so Yeah, launching with Beachbody has been a tremendous opportunity to have a bigger impact, to have a, a larger reach, you know, for more people to experience the extend bar programming and to understand how transformative it can be in a sustainable way. Meaning you can do extend bar, you know, through all phases of life. One of my you know, dearest client, started with me, she was 75 years old. So, you know, I wanted to create a program that was sustainable so that you could stay consistent with it, as I said, from youth all the way up into your senior years. And so for me, that's, that's really where, you know, the journey is taking me to become a part of this incredible community and to make this impact and to have a bigger reach, which has been really cool. <laughs>
1: That's amazing. Congrats to you on all your success with that and like seeing things through and not giving up on yourself when it came to your partnership with Beachbody. I know you have a retreat that's also coming up this year. So I think people are really going to connect with you after hearing this conversation. They're going to feel aligned with what you're doing. If people want to find out more about what you're doing, they want to follow you along on social media. Where's the best place to do that?
0: Thank you, Doug. That was nice of you to say. So you can go to Andrea Lee Rogers on Instagram or andrealeerogers.com. And I appreciate it, Doug. That was so great.
1: Of course. Thanks again for coming on. This was a great conversation. And for those listening, what I invite you to do is to share a takeaway. Maybe it was something that Andrea said about mastering the pivot Maybe it was something that she said about building her business. Maybe it was something that she said about parenting or dealing with divorce, or maybe it was something that she shared about mom guilt. Whatever the takeaway was, tag Andrea and tag myself because we'd love to hear your feedback. We once again thank you for listening to this episode of The Adversity Advantage. I'm your host, Doug Bobst, and we'll see you next time.